morning and welcome to the Church of Woodbine. I want to invite everybody to please stand and open your Bibles to not Acts, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, it will be on the screens. And we will read verses 1 through 14. Luke 18, 1 through 14. Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And the widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like, like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for this incredible day. Jesus, I thank you for your word, for your teaching, for your parables. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you abide in us. Father, that you've adopted us as your children. And we ask now that you would be our teacher, that you would open our eyes and our hearts, our minds, our ears to hear your voice. Bring encouragement, bring strength, bring conviction, bring comfort. And Jesus, may we pray without ceasing. May we seek your face and may we walk in complete humility, allowing your grace and your faithfulness to surround us and fill us and strengthen us. And it's for your glory's sake we pray, Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I was telling Ed Smith the other day, we, uh, about once a month, we go have meetings and over chips, salsa, and queso fundido with chorizo and a cold Dr. Pepper. And there are times when I tell him, Ed, after some of your sermon bumper sermonettes, homilies, I'm almost tempted just to say, we're done. And I'm very tempted to say that today. So thank you for just letting Holy Spirit speak through you. Uh, we are talking, we're going into a new sermon series. It's going to only be three weeks long called Outflow. The Overflow by Outflow. Prayer, Scripture reading, Sabbath. If you go outside these doors here, you'll see a very small blue sign on our chapel. 
And that's our mission statement. Engaging the whole person with the whole... Oh, gospel of who? Jesus Christ. Anywhere. Anytime. With anybody. That is our mission. And we talk a whole lot about gospel conversations. Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. How He's working in our lives with any unbeliever. Anywhere, anytime, with anybody. Disciples making disciples is another phrase we use quite a bit. All of us are called to be making disciples. Each and every one of us. It's not just for the deacons. It's not just for life group leaders. It's not just for the pastors. It's not just for the spiritually mature. Anyone who loves Jesus is called to make a disciple. And many times we can feel like, oh man, i got to wait till I learn more in the Bible. i got to wait till I learn more. No, 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 no. We are just beggars who've been given living bread, living water. And as Ed says, we don't need PhDs, even though it's great to get doctorates and PhDs and all kinds of stuff. We don't need a PhD to share the love of Jesus with those who live around us, with those with whom we work and play. We're called to make disciples. We are all disciples, making disciples who make disciples. But here's one of the challenges. When we hear all these sermons and all these teachings about do this and do that and share the gospel of this and make disciples that and serve here and serve there, coupled with just life, that can be very hard, very difficult. Challenges, sickness, illness, broken relationships, financial issues, loss of a job, prodigals in our family, temptations, trials, health. All these things can come piling down upon us. And we can grow weary. Many times we know the things we should do. But just as our dear brother Paul says in Romans 7, the very thing I long and love to do, I don't. And the very thing I hate to do, I do. And we know the scriptures. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. I used to love saying that in Spanish. There's a... Name, Caesar, Caesar. And we had a real good friend in my church. I'd be like, the scriptures command us, oren sin Caesar, not sin Caesar. And if you know Spanish, you understand that. You can't do that in English. It doesn't really work. But we're commanded and called to pray without ceasing. And we know that. But so many times prayer feels like just one more Christian duty and burden to do. Okay. I'll pray. But it's the outflow, it's the overflow of a love relationship with our Heavenly Father. So we're going to look at today two parables, two well-known parables here in your Bible. So open back up to Luke chapter 18. If you've read the Bible for any significant amount of time, you're going to know these two stories. A parable, what is it? It's just a story. Well, I've got two stories to share with you. One is about a dear elementary school friend, and I can't say his name because you know the company that he owns. Their offices are here in Nashville. And so I want to be really careful that I don't let his name slip. I haven't talked to him for years. But he is this little bitty guy in my elementary school, tiny red hair, and he was an incredible athlete. Every day in recess, he and I would be punting the ball back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But here was the thing about my good friend. If I was busy talking with someone else, he would come up to me and start tapping me on the shoulder. And he'd be like, hey, Doug, hey, Doug, hey, Doug. Hey, Doug, and I'd be in the middle of talking with Josh or talking with Jude or talking with anybody. And he just tapping on his shoulder. Hey, Doug, 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 I need, I got to tell you something. Doug, I got to tell you something. Has that ever happened to you? Ever? 
It'd be like, will you shut up? Quit, you stop talking. I can remember growing up, I have three brothers. And one in particular, he and I, we would corner our mother. And we lived way out in the country. We had tons of property. And our house was the cool house to come to. There was no video games. None of that stuff existed except for the old Atari. And that was it. So all my buddies, they wanted to come to our house. And we loved having people at our house. Because we could go for hours out in the back fields, go hunting, shooting, riding bikes. It didn't matter. And my parents gave us tons of freedom. And we would corner our mother and beg her and beg and beg and beg to have friends over to spend the night on Friday nights. And she'd tell us, no, not tonight. Nope, we're too busy. Nope, can't do it. Nope, dad's coming home for dinner. Nope, family night, blah, blah, blah. And we'd go on and on. And we'd even wink. Okay, it's your turn now. Tag team my mom until we would wear her out until she would finally give in. My kids don't get any ideas, okay? Eric, Margie, Sam would wear her out until she had finally given and say, okay. This parable right here, the first one, wearing this judge out. Right here, what is it? You have a judge. And it says here in verse 2, oof, let me get my glasses. It says here in verse 2 that he neither what feared God or respected people. So he was an unjust judge. He didn't care about people. He didn't care about justice. But because he was judged, he was in charge, he ruled. His say was the final say. And there was this widow. And for those of you who don't know about old Jesus time culture, widows were the, one of the lowest on the social rung. There was no one, usually for widows, no one to protect them, provide for them, watch over them. Widows were, had an extremely hard life. And because most girls got married early teenage years during the time of Jesus, there were many widows, and they weren't old. And if they went back to their families, many times they became servants, almost slaves, indentured. They were frowned upon, looked down upon. There was no Social Security. There was no Medicare, no Medicaid. There weren't places during the time of Jesus to truly care for widows. Women feared that their husbands would pass away and become a widow because they were helpless and defenseless. And here's this widow. And if you read the Old Testament, and even in the New, but especially the Old, widows, orphans, and foreigners were high on God's list for Israel to, to watch over, to care for, and to protect. If you read Jeremiah, read Isaiah, you will see it all throughout. One of the main reasons Israel and Judah were punished and conquered is because they did not care for widows, orphans, and foreigners. And here's this widow with no one to turn to, coming to this judge who he himself said, I do not fear God. I don't even care about people. And she asked him for vindication, for justice over her adversary. What does he do? Meh. Meh. And what does it say here? It says here in verse 4, For a while he was unwilling. For a while. How long? We don't know. A week? A month? A year? Unwilling. 
to defend her and give her justice, to protect her, to deliver a sentence that is right and correct. All of us have eternity in our hearts. We've been created in God's image, and we have an innate, God-given sense of what is morally right, good, and just. That is why many of us, when we see injustice against ourselves, what happens? We get angry. Now, we're born sinners, wicked and dead. But because we are created in God's image, we know when injustice happens. And we want justice, vindication. And here's this widow pleading for vindication, pleading for justice, pleading for protection, pleading for help. And all she gets is a slam door, a closed door, a hard heart, closed ears, closed eyes. But this judge says, verse 5, well, end of verse 4, even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me. That was funny, wasn't it, Portia? Because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her pestering. My friend growing up in elementary school, oh, he just just tapped that shoulder. Doug, hey, Doug, hey, Doug, hey, Doug, what do you want? And I would answer not because he was, I mean, he was a good friend, but if I was busy doing something else, like, what do you want? My mom, she loved us to death. But there were times when she'd say no, and we knew, ooh, all we had to do was pester long enough, and we would get what we wanted. Now, those two examples might not be the best examples, but how many of us have been pestered and worn out by the pleadings of others? Now, the Greek for being worn out has a boxing connotation of being poked in the eye. Have you ever been poked in the eye? How does it feel? Oh, it feels lovely, doesn't it? You don't like it, Mike? Negative. When this judge is saying, I feel like he's pest, she's pestering me, she's wearing me out. It's like she, he's getting poked in the eye every day. Poked in the eye. Poked in the eye. Poked. He's getting so worn out. And it's, he says, I don't fear God. I don't care anything about justice. But she is wearing me out. I will give her justice. Now look at what Jesus says here in verse 6. Jesus says, the Lord says, listen to what the unjust judge says. Listen to what he says. Even though I don't fear God nor I care about justice, I will vindicate this widow because she's wearing me out. And then Jesus goes on and he says here, will not God... Grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night. Will he delay helping them? Then Jesus turns the parable on its head. and He begins to compare this unjust judge with our heavenly father. Now I'll be honest with you. When I read this verse here, when I read verse 7, will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I'll be honest with you, there are many times when I look in my own life, the lives of my friends, 
and the suffering that some of us go through, the trials we deal with, the struggles we have. And I say to myself, yeah. God does, he does delay. And sometimes I don't see his answers. I don't see his justice. I'm just being honest with you. There are numerous times when I see, and the question that many unbelievers ask, well, if God is so good and if God is so loving and if he's all-powerful and if he's all-knowing, why does he let bad things happen to good people? That is a real question that people truly ask. It's a question that Jesus is asking here. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? And will he delay helping them? The answer that Jesus is saying is he will not delay. And he will answer. Which contradicts the very thing that I just said about some of my struggles. So who's right? How many of you have felt, God, you're delaying your answer? Where are you? If you are so good, where are you? If you love me, why can't I hear you? And then Jesus makes a hard left turn in verse 8. Jesus says in verse 8, I tell you, that he will swiftly grant them justice. He will swiftly. Jesus, for me, that means right now. Why do you make us wait a year, five years, ten years? Why do we wait until we see you face to face in heaven? I want to encourage you guys. It's okay to ask God all those questions. It is okay to wrestle with what you're experiencing. We're going to look at the hardcore truths of Scripture next week and how important it is that the outflow of who we are, it's not just prayer, but it's Scripture too. Because what do we do when our experience seems to contradict God's Word? That's a hard one. But Jesus says right here that our Heavenly Father, who is a judge, but He's not unjust... In fact, he's a good, good father, a faithful father. Jesus says right here that he will swiftly grant them justice. But then Jesus says this, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This whole parable right here is within the context of Jesus' teaching about the end times. If you go back and read chapter 17 and look at chapter 19 and stuff, Jesus is talking a whole lot about the end times. And Jesus, especially towards the end of his ministry on earth, began to tell his disciples that he would be persecuted, he would be beaten, he would be turned over to the Gentiles, he would be crucified. And Jesus said over and over and over, because the world hates me, they will hate you. Because the world hates Jesus, they will hate his followers. There are several verses, and I'll have them up here on, on, on the screen here, and these are just brief summaries of each verse. But all throughout the Gospels, Jesus is talking about the fact that we will suffer for his name's sake. We will suffer. It says in 1 Peter that the, the devil 
is like a lion who roams around seeking to devour. Here are the verses right here. No, it's not that. Yeah, be sober-minded. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around. We always have to know that the devil is prowling around looking to seek who he can devour. It says here in 2 Timothy, anyone who desires to live a godly life will be what? Persecuted. Matthew 24, 12 says, because of lawlessness in the end times, the love of many will grow cold. I'll be honest with you, seeing all the sin that surrounds and rolls around us, it's very easy for me to become apathetic and hard-hearted and just say, man, that's just life. Because of lawlessness, the love of many, many of the elect will grow cold. 1 Timothy says, in the end times, many will turn away. Revelations, Jesus is talking about when he's talking to one of the churches. He says, you've lost your first love. You see in the context here in Luke chapter 18, when Jesus says this in verse 8, he says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man, and that's Jesus, that's the favorite title that Jesus gave himself. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth? You see, it's important for us because many times we are like this widow. And we're calling out to our Heavenly Father, we need justice, we need your help, we need your protection, we need salvation, we need you to rescue us and touch us and transform us. But because of all the trials and temptations and even loss in life, it is so easy for us to become faithless. It is so easy for us to be tempted to grow cold in our love back to our Heavenly Father. It's so easy at times for us to want to throw in the towel and say it's not worth it. But as we sang today, over and over, great is your faithfulness. And I can't remember if it was you, Mel, or if it was Sean, when, you, when we had the time to call to, to call to prayer for the altar. It's to focus on God's great faithfulness. Focus on his faithfulness. I've taught you a Spanish word. Does anybody remember the word? And if you speak Spanish, don't say it. For magnifying glass. What is it in Mexico? What's it called? Anybody remember? Lupa. And many times we put the lupa of our mind and our heart onto our own circumstances, our own problems, our own challenges, and that's all we can see. And we forget that we need to put, them, put the magnifying glass of our heart and our mind onto our Heavenly Father, who is not like this unjust judge, but a Heavenly Father who has given everything. We read the passage earlier. Look at God's great love for us that we are called what? children of God. Is that, where's that baby? Oh, he's gone back. I was going to use y'all as an example. Sean has this tiny, one month old maybe, holding this tiny little baby in his arms. You were doing it earlier. Our Heavenly Father is not like this unjust judge. And as we go into the second parable here that Jesus taught about a tax collector and a Pharisee. And for those of us here who have read the Scriptures, we know that the Pharisees were Jesus' enemies and that they were self-righteous and arrogant and self-centered. But back during Jesus' day, they were considered the epitome of a godly, obedient Jew. And they had huge influence upon the religious life of Jewish people. 
And here this Pharisee, when he comes into the temple, how does he pray? What does Jesus say here in verse 11? The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about what? About himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. His prayer was focused all on himself. Self-centered prayer. And he compares himself to everyone else. And he begins to brag about himself, to himself, about everything he's done. And for Jesus' audience back then, this would be just, I can't even think of the word, but they'd be astounded that Jesus would take the example of a Pharisee who in our day and time would be the perfect Christian here in our church who attends Bible study and gives and serves and loves. And wow, that's the perfect example of what a Christian should be. When Jesus takes that type of person and uses him as the worst example. And then he takes a tax collector who was hated by the Jewish people and many times was considered in the same list as murderers because they were thieves and they betrayed the Jewish people because they worked for Rome. And how does the tax collector pray? Standing far off, he would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest, saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, this one went back to his home justified, because he who exalts himself shall be humbled, but he who humbles himself shall be exalted. Prayer. What do we learn about prayer from these two short parables? The first one is this. God is faithful. And he's a loving, heavenly father. He is the righteous judge. And he sees everything that happens to us. And he will vindicate his elect. He will vindicate his children. He will respond to us. I will tell you this. It probably will not be in our time and in our way that we think should happen. But he is good and he is faithful. But Jesus does pose a question to us. When Jesus returns, in light of everything we go through, the trials and temptations, the losses, the struggles, the spiritual attacks, and just the weight of life, Jesus asks the question, will he find faith on earth when he returns? And the question I want to ask all of us, myself included, will we remain faithful and will we persevere in our faith as we live out this life here? And I want to encourage you, yes, let's be faithful. We cannot do it and muster it up with our own strength. It is impossible. But with our eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, he will give us the strength to press on and persevere and go. And I want to encourage you guys today. We will pray here in a few minutes. So if the worship team can go ahead and come on up. If you find your love for our Heavenly Father growing cold, if you find yourself being tempted to turn away, if you've lost your first love that you've had with our Heavenly Father, I want to encourage you to come forward. We want to pray for you. Members of our prayer team will be over here. We want to pray for you. Jesus is a loving, good Savior. He is our friend. And He's shown us the way. He gave us the example of the tax collector, pure humility. And we need to become just honestly open with our Heavenly Father. 
saying, this is how I am. This is who I am. This is how I'm struggling. This is really important because that is my alarm going off. Holy cow. I thought I was someone's cell phone. I want to encourage you, may we have the humility of this tax collector pleading for God's mercy. And may we take heed of Jesus' words. May our hearts not grow cold because times are wicked. But may our eyes be fixed upon him because he's good and faithful. Let's stand. And as we close with this song, if you find yourself growing cold, hard-hearted, bitter, apathetic, come forward over here to my left, your right. Members of our prayer team would love to pray with you. May we all humble ourselves and let him lift us up. Let's pray.